Hola. This is another episode of Invite the Neighbors. Um, I'm losing track of the numbers at this point, which is a good thing. Um, I feel like that's because I've done a lot of these. Or maybe I'm losing my mind. Early onset dementia. It's probably a real thing. Um, stream of consciousness intros are cool. Um, this episode was with Nate Erickson of uh, 310AM. Um, you may know him previously from After Hours Radio, one of the chief residents of the Late Station, DIY venue in Ipsy, which I think they're doing more shows again, maybe after quarantine, I don't know. Um, but Nate lives in a very musical household with Micah, um, from Song Judgment, uh, Marky Bosch from Stopwatch, and uh, Social Media, and of course Nate, he's got a solo project at 310 a.m. Um, right after this intro is a single um, off of Nate's new project called Real to Real. R-E-A-L to R-E-E-L. So there's a little wordplay for you. Um, so that's going to play right after I'm done talking. And then the episode is going to play after the song. So hopefully you enjoy both of those things. And um, if you want to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash invite the neighbors. Um, Benny and I have been trying to cook up some different things that we can do for to incentivize the Patreon membership. Different, you know, like Patreon member exclusive member only content said member twice. Doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, so, you know, that's coming at some point. Anyways, uh, enjoy the episode. on the smb thing <laughs> but oh yeah it's all good dude like there's 
so many of these episodes are like crappy recording. Like I think it a DIY podcast to begin with so like I don't it doesn't really bother me sorry if there's like listeners out there that are like fucking fix the recording quality <laughs> it's, it's just it's just not gonna happen um not until like uh you know when the quarantine's over I usually get better sound you know like in person when I don't have like mm-hmm. shit cutting in and out but but yeah you're uh your name's Nate right from uh yeah 3 10 a.m yep yeah, that's and me. and so where exactly are you from? Um, grew up in Michigan, and uh, I live in Ypsilanti right now. Um, went to U of M, and then just kind of moved to where it's cheaper. <laughs> oh yeah, when did you graduate from U of M? Uh, 2016. Oh word, I I graduated there from 2014. I'm an old man. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So like, what um. Are you from like that, the area originally, or? No, I uh, I grew up in lo- like suburbs right outside Detroit, Gross Point. Oh, okay, yeah, yep, I'm familiar. And are you are you from from Michigan as well? Yeah, I'm fr- I I grew up when I was a kid. I went to elementary school in Taylor, which is where I live now, actually. Okay. Um, and then I lived in uh, went to high school in Linden, which is like Fenton kind of close to Brighton. Brighton is usually the one that people are like, okay, I've heard of that. Yep. It's like 20, 20 minutes south of Flint, 20 minutes north of Brighton, basically, is where I went to high school and all that. You know, that I lived in Ann Arbor pretty much from the time I was in college till like a year ago. Um, I, I moved to Taylor just because like I wanted to be closer to Detroit. I wanted to like start doing more music stuff into the Detroit area rather than like the Ipsy Ann Arbor area. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, as much as I love it there and as much as I still do things there, I feel like it's more of a college crowd. And yeah, I, you know, I kind of like branching off a bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Ann Arbor is kind of an interesting scene. Um, I played in a, my old band played, like started in Ann Arbor and then, um, you know, played in in the Ann Arbor scene for like five years. And it's, it's fickle crowd, <laughs> um, depending yeah. on what you, where you play and stuff like that. Ipsy is stronger and, but Detroit's a whole different flavor. I think. My yeah. 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 I would agree that Ipsy is, is, is stronger just cause like, I know more house venues there, like, and it's not entirely college, you know, like Ann Arbor is almost, almost exclusively college or like, like you got like the metal frat or like all the co-op houses. It's like all I've never played in Ann Arbor, except for the blind pig. I love playing the blind pig. I don't even think about that sometimes when I think of Ann Arbor, but yeah, um, it's almost exclusively playing at a place where college students live on a daily basis is playing in Ann Arbor. Yep. Yeah. Um, the band I was in, we started just like playing co-op shows. I don't know if you ever yep. went to any of those or played any of those. Um, and those are great because you can pack out a house and stuff and people, you know, it's just a party, you know, but, uh, no one's there for the music necessarily. Like if they like your band, they might come to another party where you're playing at, but they don't like follow the music in the same way that people in the Ipsy scene are there to like see the bands and consume music. Yeah. I feel like in Ann Arbor, people were there for the party. Yeah, maybe you could get some cool photos from an Ann Arbor show, you know, because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a living room packed to the brim, and that's like 
that picturesque scene, you know. Like, yeah. Oh, that's what a house show's like. But dude, I I don't know about you. I don't like house shows for the music aspect of it because I one playing them I can't stand because I can almost never hear myself sing because there's mm-hmm. gen- there's generally like no vocal monitors and yeah never. Oftentimes you're standing behind the uh, speakers, so it's like you have no idea what's going on in front of yeah. you. That's when you just yeah. crank up the amps, I guess. Yeah, you're like almost guaranteed. So I did you ever play Luther House? Yeah. Have you ever been to yeah. Luther House? So I lived yeah, there, played for there once three years. Um and then I kind of ended up becoming their de facto sound guy. <laughs> and it was just like you either you didn't have monitors, there was no way, you no, know, you didn't have speakers, enough speakers for it. you only had two. So it was like either you put the the speakers behind the vocalist so they can hear themselves, but then you can't turn it up enough because you start getting feedback. feedback. Yeah. Or you put it in front of the vocalist and then you can at least turn it up loud enough that maybe the audience will hear it over the band. But the vocalist (laughs) is like, there's no way. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's just kind of the way it is. But like sound quality wise, it's not, (laughs) um, it's not the best experience from that perspective. So and I've talked about this a million times though, but and it, it really depends on like the type of music you're playing too. Like if you're really heavy into like the punk side of things and you like loud guitars like all the time and it's more about the energy, then it can almost lend itself to that sort of scene. Whereas like if you're trying to do more of like a shoegaze or something more dynamic, it can be not the best for that. You know what I mean? So it it really just depends, but yeah. Lately, these days, what are uh, what type of stuff you've been doing these days? Um, show wise or just in general? Yeah, just like music in general. Like, what kind of like, um, kind of music are you into and like playing and stuff? Ah, uh, so my the three ten a.m. project is relatively new for me. I was in a band called After Hours Radio. I don't know, we started around 2014 or something. Oh, that's right. That's right. And then um, that ended in August, something like that, of uh, last year. So um, really haven't played any live shows since then. And I've kind of been focusing on recording and writing. So I kind of put out a couple of singles as 310. Um, and then it's three ten a.m. And then I live with a bunch of musicians that are all writing and have projects and stuff. So I've just kind of been recording other people too. It's kind of oh, like okay. sucked up most of my free time. I want to start doing live shows, but this whole thing is kind of quarantine's messed with that a bit. Yeah, no, I hear you. I was just like I was super close to finishing a record. And then quarantine hit, and now I'm just kind of waiting, which a lot of a lot of music people are are waiting for a variety of reasons, you know. So we're all kind of <laughs> in that same boat. Yeah. Um, at least like working. You said you've been like doing like producing type stuff. Yeah, I I do feel lucky in that all the people like I'm you know everyone's trapped in their house, but the house I'm trapped in has like three different bands in it essentially i mean um so it's me um mark bosch stopwatch and social meteor 
Um, oh, Micah Cot- and Micah Kotner. Yeah, um, yeah. A solemn judgment and his new project. Micah's and been their on new, the podcast their new projects. HIP too. Mm-hmm. Meth Gator is um, a highly anticipated <laughs> solo project from Micah. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the one that we've been working on, um, they're calling it uh, HIP. I think happiness isn't possible. But anyway, like because I'm living with all them, um, I basically, you know, there's tons of. By the time one person finishes writing stuff, there's someone else that's ready to record. So I've been able to keep working, which is that's dope. What kind of setup are you working with as far as recording and stuff? Um, we're doing it in my living room, really. Um, I've got, you know, I went to Home Depot and bought a bunch of the, uh, pink fluffy foam to use as kind of like a sound absor- broadband sound as- absorber and yeah. put it in uh, built boxes and throw them up in the corners. And, uh, we found one room that sounds really good. And so we just kind of track most of the stuff in there and try to get smart with our, sound isolation i've got um like a 18 channel interface oh dope you yeah, want the scarlets? It's like one, no it's um so do you know the Behringer xr series they're meant to be like uh live mixers oh no no i i don't know much about the equipment side of things other than i know that like the focus right scarlets are popular that's what i have like a little two channel scarlet yeah, those are solid. Um, I was basically like, I knew I wanted to. I, I bought this stuff when I was living at the late station. I don't know if you played there. Yeah, went, yeah, yeah, I played there a couple times. Um, but that was my old house, and um, so I, I bought it to run sound there, and then um, also I wanted to be able to record bands live sessions, you know, and um, okay. did that a, a little bit. But it was like the cheap. I wanted the, <laughs> the cheapest way I could get you know, 18 channels, you know, enough to do a full band. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, found out that these Behringer Behringers are actually not too bad. It's like 500 bucks for 18 channels. They're not meant to be like an interface. First and foremost, they're meant to be like a live mixing box. But yeah. It, it works pretty good. So you've been using it as like an interface more, yeah. more than, because I was just about to ask, like, is in, in a room like that where, like, maybe it's not meant for recording, but you're like getting them trying to get the most out of it? I was curious, like, if if that lends itself more to like a live style recording, or if you're if you're separating, you know, like doing instruments one at a time, like in a more traditional sense. Um. So most of the stuff that I've been recording has been. A lot of, I do a lot of one man bands, <laughs> so it doesn't oh, really? become so much. Not, I mean, I recorded full band stuff um, back at the late station, but since I moved to my new place and we started using this room, it's been a lot of one man band stuff. Um, and I guess we, when I have done like fuller like bass, drums, guitar at the same time, we'll try to just put them in different rooms. So like the drummers and the, the good, the best sounding room, the living room, and then put like the bass cab in the basement. Um, and we've got another room that's got some sound uh, absorption stuff in there. And we'll put the guitar amps in there. So like everyone can stand in the room with each other and play. 
but gotcha. the amps are like separated. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. You know, just need a lot of really long XLR cables. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say. I was actually also just thinking too, like trying to piece things together in my mind. So like you lived at the late station. I know that like the late station was like a, a nod to after hours radio. I remember yeah. just talking to, um, what's the other guy that like helped book all the shows at late station. Greg. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember talking to him a couple times. And so is like, is three ten AM. Is that sort of like a nod to the same, um, same sort of idea, like the after hours radio type thing or. It was kind of a riff off. It, it was more of a reference to the house that because that that street address was uh, three ten. Oh, um, okay, okay. And then like a lot of the like the first singles that I put out were actually a lot of the recording and writing was done during like the last couple of months of After Hours Radio. Um, oh, okay. And a lot of it was done like you know I did a lot of my mixing work on like in the van on the way back from like longer late night trips and stuff. So, um, yeah, it was kind of a nod to that. It does definitely kind of link up with the <laughs> after hours radio late station thing too, though. That wasn't intentional. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I was going to say like, not that it like it all either has to be related or not related, but even if it is like you're a common thread in all those things. So it only makes sense that like, I mean, I like looking for commonalities like among mm-hmm. people's different, you know, um, projects. And another example, I guess, would be like, if you look at bands that have like the same artists do all their album artwork from album to album. I, I love patterns and I love like continuity in, in art in general. So that's why my, my brain's just like kind of programmed to look for those types of things. That being said, it took me till like just now to realize that, which probably <laughs> shouldn't have taken so long. But uh, the stuff that I you're doing with... Like eye for that type of thing so <laughs> but i do oh. appreciate it but i usually other people have to point it out to me <laughs> oh i got i got you um so the song i haven't listened to the song that you sent me yet and that's because i like on purpose don't listen to uh bands much like if i haven't heard the band yet i won't listen till afterwards because normally like i have a co-host and like are the way we like attack these episodes since they've joined is to like have Benny the co-host be the one that kind of like does all the like the research type side of things and we'll ask questions based on like you know like the the actual music or like the information I'll ask like more abstract type things so mm-hmm. given that Benny's not here oh, what, what happened to Benny <laughs> oh um kicked kicked Benny out <laughs> you know no yeah. no just busy just busy um Nothing major. No one go looking for Benny's. You know, it'll be it'll be fine. Um, but yeah. So I was just curious to see if um, you, you know, like what what types of music would like influence the stuff that you're working on. Like, what kind of music is it? I guess that like that you're working on on your in, with your solo project. I think um, it's really not in the vein of After Hours Radio at all um it's kind of i i would say it leans more in like the it's midwest emo influence but i wouldn't say it's midwest emo um probably just falls under the broader indie umbrella um but guitar driven energetic drums that type of thing oh, okay but uh i don't i don't 
get too distorted with my guitar tones or anything like that. Not too yeah, much. You don't need to. Anything, so. <laughs> yeah, like but that's one thing indie. I feel like I've I've kind of like messed up with is getting too trying to get too distorted, especially in recordings. Like if you're like layering guitar parts and you're double tracking, like double tracking a cleaner part sounds so much better than one guitar just like jacked up, which took me the longest time to realize. But I don't know. It it just sounds so much nicer. I'm I'm a tone geek. Yeah, Man, guitar it's... tone is a tricky thing, honestly. But yeah, like it's surprise. Like when you go a little cleaner, it can make things sound. I mean, it can still be gainy and aggressive sounding, but I don't know. You get you get a little extra clarity sometimes when you back it off a bit. Yeah, yeah, I I definitely have found that, and like it really makes it so that the parts where you do use like a bunch of gain, it just stands out a lot more. You know, if if you're if you're being sparse with it, I think that like one of my main complaints with just emo, like the, the, whether it be in like the local scene or just like the Midwest emo thing in general is just like that. It's all very one dimensional, not all of it, but a lot of it can be one dimensional. So I think like anything you can do to like not be directly in a particular vein is something I want to be drawn to, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, this, so, this project was like, I think in After Hours, I always wanted to go a more guitar driven, um, I don't know, like when I was younger, I listened to a shit ton of just like Taking Back Sunday and The Used and all that type of stuff. And then I drifted away from it and ended up doing kind of the, groovy alt rock thing for a while with after hours and uh this is kind of getting back to making the stuff that i kind of always wanted to but bandmates were interested in a different direction so i was i mean i liked that stuff a lot don't get me wrong but um i feel like i was always on the inside trying to push it more in this direction for all of our songs uh gotcha yeah i mean you can't you gotta have at least one thing project wise where you're doing exactly what it is you want to do otherwise mm-hmm. otherwise i don't think it's gonna any you know you can be in multiple projects we gotta at least have one where you're doing what you want to do and then i feel like maybe you're gonna be more open to compromise elsewhere in like other projects but at least for me like i have to have my thing in order to be a part of something that's like not exactly what i had in mind you know what i mean yeah but um so do you the the stuff that you sent me is this all self-produced then yep yeah kind of a right now it's essentially a one-man band um yep i what i think once i start putting together like a group to play live maybe it'll transition to something different but for now i kind of mixed everything played everything okay so when you say like one-man band is it like you're recording multiple instruments like you are you recording drums yourself too or is it just like a a one-man performance uh drums bass guitar layers all that so okay okay i got the full deal but just one person playing at all i gotcha kind of like first two fighters record style yeah i gotcha like i'm one instrument away and that instrument is drums for being able to do that (laughs) 
Like I uh, have, can't, I can't play drums to save my life. I usually like in my band, like I'll record everything but the drums, and that's kind of how I like it. I you know I don't think that I have the mind for drums to begin with. But what it was, what was like your instrument that like you started playing music with? I started on guitar, probably uh, seventh grade, something like that. Um, yeah, I started on guitar, but then uh, drums was shortly after. I I picked up drums in high school, like early high school. Um, so I've been playing both for quite a long time. Um, guitar was, I think, usually the what I would consider my main instrument for the most part, but I was still drumming consistently, you know, past 10 years. Do you go through periods where you like one more than the other? Is like one always been your favorite or? I think it's easier to be. The guitar is more useful from a song standpoint, and I'm really like more into songs, but drums is more fun. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, if I could just play drums in the band, that I mean, I think that would probably be the ideal. <laughs> I, there'd Dude, be a I, part of me that wants to just you know write songs too, but that the playing drums for a band would be the most fun. Yeah, I could. I've always found myself like watching drummers when I go see a band live. I think like a drum, a really good drummer can take a mediocre band to the next level, and and vice versa. You know, and it it just looks like so much fun. Like I, I really, I love sitting behind a drum kit and just slamming, you know, respectfully slamming on it. I don't want people to think <laughs> that I'm just like yeah. destroying people's drum kits. You know, my I've had friends growing up that have been very protective of their drum sets, so I've learned to respect them. But yeah, I'm definitely uh, jealous of anyone who can play drums. Piano too. That's another one that I just like. Anything that requires like my left and right hand to do different rhythms simultaneously it's not gonna be it's not gonna be good for me yeah that that's the one i'm lost at i took like two years piano lessons when i was super young and uh yeah <laughs> none of that stuck Cannot yeah my piano for my life i'll see my girlfriend like she took piano lessons and she's like you can tell that she has like the raw talent but has just never really practiced and i'll I'm constantly trying to push her to learn piano because I'm just like almost like living vicariously through her. I'm like, no, look, you can actually do it. Like I can't even do that. So like the fact that you have the talent for it, I just feel like you have to like see it through just, you know, for selfish reasons. Cause like, I want to watch her play piano, but yeah. Piano is um, one of those things I think that gets kind of like in a lot of rock music doesn't get a lot of love. I don't yeah. know why I feel like, I mean, if it's in the song, it's like pushed way in the back. Yeah. I yeah. I, I like bands where like they really lean into it. Uh, whether it was like that's that like top period or, where they had all the synths for like just a little bit and then that died. <laughs> yeah. As close as it came. Well, there's bands like uh, Manchester Orchestra. I really love the way they use it because like they use like a, they have like a dedicated key player. And he'll either be playing like key parts, like piano parts, or whether he's not like playing a key melody, it'll be just like they'll switch over to like a synth sound and just creates like a big atmospheric layer that 
is so it's one of those things where it's like you wouldn't notice it unless notice it unless I wasn't there, which I really really like also. Because I just yeah. love big big soundscapes and things like that. Um, yeah, I was watching. There's a uh, one of those like YouTube channels where they break down a song, and they were doing all the small things. Blink One Eighty Two. And, uh, oh yeah. There's a, there's a synth in the background. I never heard that song so many times in my life, and up until that video, I had no idea there was then. And it, and once they pointed it out, that's all I can hear now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Like, I knew it was there in like the bridge, but is it like the whole song? I think it's in the chorus too, and it's like a really big part of the chorus. I think it was all the small things. I gotta go double check that, but yeah, I think it was a chorus. I I think I think I know what you're talking about. I I think I do. Like now that I think about it, but yeah, it's like pretty good example of it though. Like you wouldn't really notice it unless it wasn't there. Then you're like, oh shit, okay. Um, but what 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 types of stuff? Uh, like what what are some albums that have that were influential for you? Whether like influencing you to want to start playing music or just like currently influential. Hmm. I don't know. Um, I think I've always had a tough time pinning down influences. There's albums that I really like to listen to. Um, and I feel like I'll pull techniques from stuff. So like lyric writing, I love the density of, uh, like taking back Sunday stuff. Um, and they're just really good at writing memorable lyrics. Um, and like the, there's like a weird way that the front bottoms can like take, they can tell a story through like the minute details while still not really showing you the full picture, which I find super interesting. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. Um, I was listening to the hotel year a lot and uh story so far, um, prior to writing a lot of this stuff. So those probably work their way into things. But I think most of my stuff starts with guitar. And I feel like I'm constantly just building off riffs that I wrote like four years ago. And then, you know, adjusting them and they morph into something else. And I feel like a lot of my songs end up being like self-referential from like years back. And oh, okay. I can't yeah. necessarily like, yeah. I have a tough time trying to nail down influence. Uh, drum wise, I think definitely, um, you know, a lot of modern pop punk stuff is a big influence for me. Drum wise, just because it's so much fun to play. Yeah. Um, to be honest, though, I think that like having a difficult time nailing down influences is a good thing because, like, if I were to ask that question and you would immediately go to like, oh, this this artist, this album. I'm like, oh, okay, so you're trying to be that. You know what I mean? Like it I think like if if it's too obvious to you like what you're going for, then I think you're gonna like paint yourself into a corner. Or I think bands yeah. have done that, you know. And uh I think it's probably better if you're like not exactly like any one of your influences, but if you like kinda loosely wrapped them all together, you know, then that that kind of makes sense. Now, yeah, like, I think it, it probably has a good side to it. Um, 
but I also feel like it's important for a band to have like some sort of through stream, you know, like something yeah, that kind of ties things together. And um, I feel like not being able to nail down influences sometimes, you know, like sometimes I don't know, like, is this something that's even coherent with the other stuff I want to put out? I don't know. Yeah. But it's got some I, downsides too. Yeah, I think so. I think sometimes like also depending on like a person's voice and like the types of vocal melodies, sometimes like even if like musically or instrumentally things are pretty different from song to song, like the same vocalist over all of them doing similar types of melodies will will be enough to tie things together. But like, I also do get what you're saying where like, you know, for instance, like if Connor Oberst, like it makes sense that like Connor Oberst and bright eyes are two different things even though it's like, it's his voice on, or like Days of Parasitos, like all these Conor Oberst musical projects make sense for them to have different names because it wouldn't be really all that coherent if it was like, he tried to put like a half a Bright Eyes album with half a Days of Parasitos album. I'm like, okay, this is clearly two different bands. Oh, there's my cat. My cat was trying to be on the podcast. She's um, kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, dude, she's always on this, especially the live episodes where I actually like have people over at, at the house. Like she's, I always feel like an evil villain. Like she just comes and sits on my lap. <laughs> and I, you get anyone that's allergic? <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I might have had a problem. I don't know. I got so like my allergies are weird. They sometimes appear and then sometimes I'm. Yeah, I try to, like, when I set up the live episodes, I, I try to let people know, like, hey, I do have cats, so beware. Mm-hmm. And usually, uh, usually she just stays with me anyways. Like, she wants, it's like she wants to just stare people down, like, sitting on my lap and just, like, giving people the death stare, which I love. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely a cat person, but I'm allergic, so it just sucks. <laughs> that's, that's a bummer, dude. That's a bummer. I, I don't understand people that don't like cats. Like they're like, oh, they don't do what you like. They they won't come when you say to. It's like, is that what you need from an animal? <laughs> like you need you need obedience. And I yeah, they got more I mean, personality, you know. It's, it's yeah, more like uh, a, you know, a friend. I mean, dogs just kind of dogs are great too. But yeah, not knocking dogs. Love dogs. Yeah, but not if you can get a cat to come to you. I'm more impressed, basically. Yep. Dogs yeah, just you and that cat are on a level, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so kind of, I like to jump into like lyrics a lot um, when I think to anyways. Not that we have to like do a lyrical breakdown or anything, but I'm curious like for some of the stuff that maybe you've worked on, if if anyone comes to mind as like a lyrical influence, because sometimes that will, that will differ from uh, the instrumental side of things. Um, I mean, there's like, kind of like I said earlier, it's like the, uh, there's bands where I like the, the way they write. Um, but the way that I actually tend to do lyrics is like, I'll be driving or listening to something and, you know, a phrase pops into my head and I just write it down. And then, you know, that type of thing will happen on repeat throughout a week or two. And then I'll have a, you know, a bunch of different things. Um, and I kind of move in pieces like that. Um, but yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah, I mean, I think Take Back Sunday, early Take Back Take Back Sunday's 
a great example of just like really memorable lines that flow well. Um, yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, there's other bands that do this, but the, I think the front bottoms is just where I noticed it first. Um, you know, the ability Very to just tell a story. Well, that too. I like the kind of sarcasticness of it all, but um, like the way he can just tell a story by just picking out the tiny details of it versus, I don't know. I mean, I like it's a, yeah, I think it's a the, great way to tell that line between actually communicating something and being just like cliche, blunt and boring. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think the, the Menzingers are one that come to mind too, where like if the, their lyrics are very detail oriented and, Definitely heavily heavy on the nostalgia side of things too, um, you know. But like they tell a story. I don't know if you listen to the Menzingers at all, but it's they're very like punk influenced, and that's clear. But it's like melodic punk, and the lyrics are just very, very good in terms of like telling a story using details that like put you in a scene. You know, like rather than tell you the entire story of being at a party, it tells you about like a few different things that you would see there and like the way it's said kind of like it implies the the emotion without telling you what it is which i i really envy that like in, in ability in a writer because i'm always finding myself giving too much away in the first draft of a song that i'm writing and i always have to like scale it back I'm like oh, okay well this is if i'm telling you exactly what i'm feeling or like exactly what this is then like what's where's the enjoyment for the for the listener you know i think like it, half the fun is as a listener is you know listening again and trying to figure out what the hell are they talking about here sometimes yeah well, lyrics are definitely the hardest part for me um but it, it's totally about to like keep it I, I feel like you gotta you can't just give people everything you know no one wants that it's got to be a challenge of some sort and leave some room for them to think. Yeah. And also like they want to, they want to be able to relate to it also. So like if you're making it too, like if you're giving too much away, it can turn into like a therapy session, almost like a one-sided therapy session where you're just like dumping all this stuff out. And if it becomes too specific or, you know, becomes too much, the more you give away, I feel like the less likely they are to be able to like make it about them instead. Cause I think the best stuff is when like it's specific enough to like bring a certain emotion to mind, but vague enough to where you can make it feel like it's your own rather than specifically belonging to the writer. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that it is, that is the hardest part for sure. <laughs> like doing a balancing act. I'm not saying that like this should be obvious and all writers should just do this, you know, cause it's, it's hard. I, I think it's I have gotta to be look. honest too. Like if it, if it doesn't yeah. match your voice and your delivery, like, you're good. So yeah, I think I'm the most forgiving when I hear, uh, you know, like quote unquote bad lyrics or something. I'm like, all right, well at least they tried like that. That's the one, like I can forgive bad lyrics if they just because more than I can forgive, like a really obvious, like, cliche chord progression or something because 
at least like someone having the guts to even put lyrics out at all. I think I'm like, all right, I respect it. You know, because yeah. it's it it takes a lot. It's it's definitely the scariest part of of writing songs for me. And uh, I have some questions written down that like I've been trying to work into an episode lately, and I think it would fit well here. And um, one of them is, are there any is there is there a certain mood or like a certain time of day or like a certain feeling that you find yourself having that you're the most that makes you the most creative whether it's like you're in a certain mood or a certain type of day that you find yourself most creative hmm that's a tough one i don't know i feel like it's always when i'm driving <laughs> um which is actually super inconvenient right uh, <laughs> But I don't, I don't know about a specific mood. There's definitely moods where I don't write. Um, like if I'm having a great mood, I'm, I, for whatever reason, I usually don't make music isn't really on my mind. Uh, or, yeah. or if like a really bad mood, also probably not. Think It's not like I got to be somewhere in the middle. I yeah. think for to create some, at least to create something that I look can look at the next day and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's worth doing something with. Um, no, I totally feel that. I feel like if I'm in the extreme somewhere, like really great day or really bad day, I tend to, if I do create something, I usually look back and I'm like, eh, I don't know if I this. And a lot of those things yeah. kind of get thrown out. Yep. I feel where, do you, that. where do you fall on that, that spectrum? Um, dude, it's, it's highly inconvenient. Uh, like, I relate to something that you said before, like how normally it starts with like, I'll be driving or I'll just be chilling or, or, you know, like I'll be in a a training for work or something. I'm just really trying to occupy my mind with something because I'm so bored and like a line or two will come to me. It's never like the entire song comes at once. And then like, I'll have like a, a Google doc or something with a bunch of like one or two line phrases. And then once I actually have a song written on, on guitar, like once the instrumental is kind of fleshed out, uh, then I'll kind of go back to my uh, my my phrases and my lines and figure out like, all right, what is the mood of the song, you know? And then try to figure out if any of those those lines kind of match match the feel that I get when I play the song. And then from there, I can start you know fleshing things out. And it's usually at like two in the morning <laughs> that like an idea will come like. I, I definitely am the type, and this is just productivity for me in general. Like it's never at a convenient time. It's always like, like I work an eight to five, like eight a.m. to five p.m. and I go show up to work. You know, this is when I'm actually going to work. I work from home now, but I would show up at like eight eight thirty and just sit there, like staring into space sometimes for like two hours, three hours, because my brain doesn't want to be productive even until maybe like one o'clock. And then, <laughs> so it's always later, always nighttime, and then definitely not happy. I'm definitely always like bummed out, and it's it's a tough thing because like on one hand you want to be happy, and on the other hand you're like, uh, well, I kind of need to be productive too, you know. That's what like I kind of wish I was better at writing happy. I like <laughs> I've attempted, and I just I. I- and I give it up. Um, I've yet to be able to pull it off. I've attempted, but never succeeded. 
but uh, yeah. some people are great at it. Um, it'd be cool to be able to hit all the different flavors, you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it doesn't work out for me. Yeah, I just for me, like I've kind of reconciled with it a little bit, like, and this, maybe this is just me rationalizing, but I think that like writing things about being sad, like when I'm sad is my way of like not keeping those things from letting me be happy. If that makes sense. Like I take the bad things that I'm feeling and like by turning them into art, it's like a way of sounds cheesy, but of like, like defeating those feelings, like kind of like conquering those things that are like holding me down emotionally. Like if I can like take them, channel them into art and, take a bad thing turn it into a good thing then like now i'm like in control of that thing rather than it being in control of me so that's kind of like the way i rationalize it at least i don't know i should bring it up to my therapist and see what he thinks <laughs> are you able to kind of like pro like write it while you're in the middle of it because i know some people are really great at doing that and i get a lot of i've never yeah, i've never been able to do that um yeah i can definitely do that i think that's honestly the most what i can do but like i'm i'm not very good at writing about stuff after the fact so yeah i think i think writing because yeah on now that you mentioned that that is pretty much what i do i write about stuff that like as i'm in it because oftentimes when i go to play it or um like play it live or like sing it on on a record or something like i have to really try to remember like what it is I was feeling then in order to like give an honest performance. Cause like after I write it, I feel like I kind of got it out of me and I don't have to like, I don't have to feel that way anymore. And I generally don't like, so oftentimes like I'll be singing about some sad stuff or some heavy stuff. And I just, you know, I, I just don't like, I still relate with it, but I don't feel it. And so it's like, it's interesting trying to perform it. Because, yeah, it's like once I write it, I'm kind of past it. I think you kind of remind me of something that I wanted to mention earlier when we were talking about lyrics. Um, I feel like delivery, like even if you, if you got like a, a lyric that um, maybe it's kind of on the fence, if, if you've got the right delivery and you can sell it, like it makes or breaks, you know, there, there's some amazing songs that I've kind of, if you just look at the lyrics, you know, written down, it's like eh, not that amazing but the delivery can do it. And I, I think a lot of that is like being able to get back into that moment from when you wrote it. And what, like, if you can communicate the emotion with how you're delivering it on recording or live, then it al that almost can, that can take lyrics to the next level, regardless of kind of what the words are. You know, I, I was never a lyric person first, you know, I, I, I didn't really get into lyrics until like the fifth or sixth listen. Like yeah. Part of the reason why I, struggle with them <laughs> no I'm, I'm with you i'm with you like if i'm listening to someone else's song like yeah I, I don't really pay attention to lyrics unless like unless like the song kind of pulls me in or you know it depends like if it's like bright eyes or something then yeah the lyrics are going to be more central to it because like I'm, i don't find the, the music all that interesting like not that it's not but like early bright eyes i'm wide awake it's morning it's just like very I don't know. Straightforward like storytelling. Like, yeah, yeah. Music, really. Yeah, yeah. So like that kind of stuff. You know, lyric. Obviously, it's going to be lyric driven. But, um, yeah. For the most part, like bands, like I don't know, 
bands that I've found I really actually like the lyrics after the fact were like Circus Revive, where I was definitely got into them because of like the guitar and because of like the ambient noodling type stuff that you do. And like Radiohead's another one where like never really was didn't care about the lyrics. It was just more about like what the the atmosphere of the song and stuff like that. Um but then after getting into it so much, you know, you go back and read the lyrics and you're like, oh, this is really dope actually. And I think like that's kind of what I'm trying to do with my own music is like create like the instrumental portion of it that could kind of stand by itself. And then once I get it to where like I feel pretty good just playing the song without singing and I feel like it kind of takes me somewhere, that's when I'll kind of like, all right, now I'm ready to start writing vocal melodies. I don't want to I never write the vocal melody first and try to write a song around it. It's always the other way. Yeah, that's like after hours radio when I was in that, that's kind of how we would do in full instrumentals, fully structured out and then throw vocals on top. Um, recently, I've been trying to try to get like just acoustic guitar and vocal and get that done and try to, you know, write vocal melodies as I'm writing the guitar parts just to kind of see how that turns out comparatively to the old my old way of doing it and i feel it's a not, nothing's won out yet for me you know i i've had yeah. some decent results with both but take yeah, a lot of time to find my process so with um kind of like back to the house situation where you're living with a bunch of musicians and stuff are you trying to are you guys trying to like have shows there and Okay, yeah. So apparently, my the Craig voice bot recording thing, thing that I used to record the Discord audio, decided to cut out at this point. So I'm just gonna the rest of the episode. I'm just gonna have to like piece together a few of the things that that Nate actually said, and hopefully you can glean the information from that. Um, sorry, nothing I can really do. Discord kind of just fucks you sometimes. That's the initial goal was to definitely have a venue here because we've got um, like behind the house. There's like this garage size structure that it's it's just like an empty building. Um, so definitely we're, we want to turn that into a space. It's got some issues with it right now, so it needs some work before we can do that. Um, but that's definitely the goal. Um, and I, it was part of the reason why, you know, this group of people, all, you know, got together to live in one house, you know, with the, the intent of doing that. Yeah, we were... So, I mean, hope, I don't know, the quarantine kind of fucks it all up, but mm, the original goal was like fall of this year. But who knows now? <laughs> Hopefully that was somewhat coherent and um, the episode is wrapping up anyway. So at this point, based on what Nate said next, I'm pretty sure I asked him to just plug his band and all that stuff. And again, apologies for you guys listening. Uh, this is just going to kind of happen for a while from time to time until I can start meeting with bands face to face again. So sorry. Thanks for listening again. So um, it's. The band's three t is called 310AM, um, facebook.com slash 310AM, um, on Bandcamp, Spotify. Um, the, the song that you heard at the beginning, 
um, just dropped a music video for that. Um, that's really cool. And uh, you can find that on YouTube or on my Facebook page or whatever. But yeah, that's what, what I got going on. It, there's a new animated music, music video that's on YouTube and uh, check that out. And uh, yeah, that's the main thing I got going on. That was the end of it, so. <laughs> okay, so that was basically it. I couldn't really use any more of the audio because Discord fucking sucks, but, um, you know, to wrap up the episode, I like that song so much that he gave me. I'm just going to play it again. So at least they'll have the, this episode will have a happy ending. So enjoy Real to Real one more time from 310 a.m. Fuck.